Go ahead and turn your Bibles. Kiddos, have those Bibles out. We got some time together. Go to Psalms 103. Man, I don't care who you are. If you're a visitor, if you built the place with your own two hands, have your Bible out. We're not going to be in a ton of spaces. I'll give you time when we flip because there's a lot of amazing scripture that I want you to see, not just here, but I want you to be in Psalms 103, The Great Life. Man, that awesome picture. The Great Life. Part two. There you go. Part two is a continuation of last week. If you weren't able to, to listen to last week, I encourage you to do so. You can find us on every platform known to man. God blessed me last week in this idea of what is good living. What is the great life? And as we talked about worldly riches and abundance and then also filled with the Spirit, we, we said as we close that the greatest thing that this life can offer us before we enter the next is a closeness with God. And what we see through Genesis to Revelation, we see this striving from all men and women who know Him to be closer to Him, and that is great Living Now, here's the, the question. If you're a note taker, how do I stay in it? If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, if you are following Christ, there have been moments in your life where you are filled and you are close and you are in sync with your church and you are in love with Scripture and you're singing praise. And then there are moments where you've drifted from the great life how do I stay close to God? Psalms 103, break your highlighters out. We're going to color up some things today. Verses 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Highlight it. Everything we talk about is focused and hanging on this sentence. And forget not all of his benefits. Highlight it. And forget not all of his benefits. Who forgives all of your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Highlight it. We're going to end it here. So that. Highlight it, underline it, do all of it. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, the writer of Psalms 103 and the majority of this book, many believe, is King David. King David, much like who came behind him in Solomon, one of my favorite characters of all the scripture, this is a man who has lived a very long life with many different stages and seasons of trying to define what the great life is. Like, is it Cancun and ladies, or is it a closest with God in prayer? I've tried both. We see in David a life of faith and peace and courage and all of this love for the Lord, but we also see worldly lust. We also see chasing women and greed and murder. We see unfaithfulness in David. He has lived a life trying to figure out what is great living. 
Now, most scholars believe that David was somewhere mid-30s when he wrote this. Mid-30s, he's not a kid. He's not in his young 20s. He's not living on his own for the first time, but he's not 50 or 60 and wise, experiencing a lot of good and bad. Man, he is like in the heart of it, mid-30s. Some scholars believe that the book of Psalms was written like a diary or a journal that was just bits and pieces. Like in Psalms 103, that he was 22 when he wrote that, and he was 42 when he wrote that sentence, and it was just really put together in all of his life either way. Either way, the book of Psalms is David's plea for God not to leave him. Good and bad. God, do not leave me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. From Psalms 1 to the end, we see David praise God. God, you are great. I am not. All worthy of praise, I am not. And he also acknowledges his drifting. Many times in Psalms, you will see David say, God, where are you? God, God, you are great. God, you are awesome. God, you are worthy. Where are you? I have been close to you. I am not close to you now. You are wonderful in field of miracles. Where are you? But no matter if David is high, no matter if David is low, we see the constant theme of a desperate need for closeness with God, even in the midst of feeling like he's not. I want you to turn to this. It's just one sentence. I could read it so quickly but I want you to see it. I want you to highlight it. Go to Psalms 51. Man, this verse just gave life to this morning. Even though we have it on the screen, man, I want you to see it and highlight it and read it tonight. This also, King David, God, you are awesome. Where are you? Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You ever read that before? Restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Much like you, think about your own life. I I know what mine has looked like. David has tasted great living. He has tasted a closeness with God. He has tasted being close to his creator. And he's also left it. And in moments in Psalms in this man's life, you can see his plea of God, I want it back. Think about your own life. God, I've experienced it. I've tasted joy. I want it back. Where are you today? Are you filled and are you close? Are you living the great life? Or is the great life with the closeness to the Lord just a faint memory? God, I want to be back there. Like I remember loving the church and loving the music and loving the word. And man, your word was on the tip of my tongue. I remember feeling peace and satisfaction and comfort. I'm not there anymore. I don't know why, where are you, Lord? I want it back. Restore to me, man, I love this verse. It's real. Restore to me the joy of what? 
the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in life. Even that, I've drifted from. Even that, if there's one thing in life that is impossible to lose sight of, David says, man, even that I've forgotten. David has felt the conviction and pain away from being from the Lord. Just a few verses back, it should be on the same page in Psalms 102. Look at 23 and 24. Like he knows the pain. He knows the conviction. He, he says, he weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. And in this I said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of these days that I live. So we see the mind of David. We see the faith of David. He has tasted great. He has settled for less. He has drifted from closeness. In Psalms 103, I want it back. Like I have tasted it. I've drifted from it. I want it back. Psalms 103. Kids, stay with me. How do we stay in the great life? Like, how do we stay close to God? Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. David says, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Everything hangs on this this morning, church, and forget not all of his benefits. Hang with me. David knows That if you forget his benefits, then you will drift from the joy of his salvation. And if you drift from the joy of your salvation, your life will follow. Right? Man, if my eyes are not on the goodness of who Jesus is, I will lose satisfaction and joy in my own salvation. And if that ever happens, David says, man, my life is not too far back. David tells us great life is a closeness with God and a closeness with God hangs on our understanding of his benefits. What are his benefits? Look at verse 3 and 103. Please, God, do not let me forget that you have forgiven all of my iniquities. Do not let me forget your benefits. Number one, you forgive all of my iniquities. Iniquities literally means immoral, grossly unfair behavior. David says, thank you for forgiveness. Help me not forget that you have forgiven me. When we look at transformation, and like Janice, he doesn't want me to call his name, but man, I love my brother, Chris Bird. I love my brother, Chris Bird. We talk often. He's a great friend of mine. I am a champion of his life. I have seen God do a mighty work. My brother's far from perfect, but man, he's inching. He calls me Wednesday night. He goes, Hunter, after service. He goes, Hunter, I've been encouraged and overwhelmed by Sunday morning's message on the great life. 
He goes, I've been in this moment where I've been thinking about what God has done, and I've been thinking about what I used to think was great, but what now is actually great in my life. And as you talked about all the things, he goes, man, I was encouraged and overwhelmed about who I am. I said, how so, brother? If you remember the message from last week, he said, because, man, I used to be that waiter. He goes, I was the lost man. Like My life was lost and my future was dark and my behavior was gross. And David says, God, keep my eyes on what you have done in my life. Keep my eyes and my mind and my spirit and my ears on that you have forgiven my grossly unfair and moral behaviors. Go to Romans 5. What are we called to remember? Go to Romans 5. Kids, we're going to wait on you. Have your Bible open. I want you to see it. Romans 5. What is David saying in the midst of his striving for closeness in great living? What is he saying that we should remember? Look at verses 6 through 11. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for righteous man, one man will die, yet perhaps a good man, someone will even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Nothing that we have done, not who we are, not what we've accomplished. He says, listen, you've been saved and forgiven, justified through him. For if we were enemies, we were now reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. David said, God, help me not to forget your forgiveness. I think it's amazing, though, in my life as I read Psalms 51 where he says, Restore my joy of salvation. My mind goes to, brother, like, how could you forget such a thing? Like, out of all the things you forget, now listen, I got a handful of kids. I get confused on some birthdays or an anniversary or something my wife needs me to do or how long we've been married, but salvation? Like if there's anything that the mind cannot drift from, how is it that? One of the men who has been closest to the Lord, he says, man, restore my joy for salvation. It amazes me what man who have even been bought with a price can forget. I was talking to a great buddy of mine who's a great friend. He's not an acquaintance. He is a friend of mine. We spent many hours together. We're talking about life experiences and what we've done and what we've seen. And he goes, man, one of the craziest things, Hunter, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Years back, while I knew him, he goes, man, I jumped out of an airplane. I did skydiving. Raise your hand if you've ever skydived before. Any of you guys? Okay, two people. One is like three years old and one is 25. Okay, I want to talk to you, brother, afterwards. Okay, that's great living. 
So he's talking to me about this, and at first I stopped him, and I said, hey, bro, you went skydiving? He's like, yeah, I mean, I didn't make a huge deal of it. I was like, my goodness, that's a huge deal. He goes, man, I jumped out of this plane first time. He goes, man, I'm in the air. I'm flipping around, taking pictures. It's crazy. It's mind-blowing. And he goes, well, it's about time for me to pull the cord. He goes, man, I've had enough. Let's go. Shoop, nothing. Only one or two hands went up, and I don't know if one or two of them actually did it. He said, whoop, whoop. He said, after the fourth time, I started pulling everything. I was just like, I was going, man. Like, I was scared to death. I'm about to die. And I'm hearing this, and I'm like, brother, like, how have I never heard this story? What'd you do? Did you die? Am I talking to a, to a ghost? So I'm talking to this guy. He goes, man, I start praying. He loves the Lord. He loves the Lord. He says, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Eyes closed. Jesus, don't kill me. Shoop. Parachute goes up. He goes, I, man, I land on the ground. I walk off. It's crazy, wild experience. I said, brother, that is the story that you lead all conversations with. Like when you meet someone, it is my name is Bart, I almost died, right? Like that's what you need to go with. How have you never told me this? Quote, well, so many years ago. How'd you forget this moment? What well, happened a long time ago? Even that I can forget. Lord, restore me. Restore me, no matter how long ago. Restore me to the joy, the heart of your salvation. Do you guys remember when you walked down that aisle? Like, do y'all remember when you were three deep in family coming to see you get baptized? Are you remembering that moment? Do you remember being at the altar, tears in your eyes, hugging family, praising Jesus? David says, hey, listen, man, I've held a lot of gold and hugged a lot of women. Bring me back to that place. Bring me back to that place. How do we do it? Do not let me forget your benefits. Benefit number one, that I am forgiven. That I am forgiven. Keep rolling in verse three. Do not let me forget that you heal all of my diseases. David said, I am sick and you have healed me. Lord, let me not forget it. David and, and many, when, when, when they write this type of you have healed diseases, scholars and many um, read this as he's not talking about the physical healing because we know that that is not always what happens. So we are obviously talking about just the, the spiritual aspect of what sin does in our life. That lust is harmful. That greed is a weight. That pride is destructive. That anger is damaging. And sin is much like a cancer. God, let not me forget how you healed me. But not only do I believe that he's talking about the spiritual healing, I believe that he's talking about the physical one. I believe he's talking about the physical healing, the mental healing, the spiritual healing. I think David is saying, anything good in my life was dead and wretched and you've restored me to health. Let me not forget it. 
Have you ever spoken to someone who's recovered from a great disease, cancer, something along those lines? Have you ever talked to someone who was greatly sick and they were facing death and they they knew they were in trouble, but God blessed them and they healed them and they were in a better space now? Like, Have you ever had a conversation about life with those people? Their whole attitude is different. Their whole perspective is different. The way they view things is different. Why? Because those individuals fully realized, fully saw, fully lived in the midst of understanding just how sick they were. And now I'm alive and healthy. David said, God, do not let me forget just how sick I was and where my healing came from. Everyone who is lost and outside the love and grace of God in their life is extremely terminally sick. And in that, David said, man, I have been that terminally ill man. God, for me to live close to you, for me to live comforted to you, for me to live peaceful with you, I have to remember how sick I was. He says, please God, Do not let me forget, verse 4, who redeems my life from destruction. Who redeems my life from destruction. This word redeemer literally means, take note, to gain or regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. I'll say it again if you can keep up. This word redeemed, to be redeemed, to gain or to regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. David says, man, I've lived both lives. Help me not forget that I am forgiven. Help me not forget that I was healed. And please, God, do not let me forget what I cost. Do not let me forget what I cost. Let me read you John 3. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hang on 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now David in the story of Psalms was before Jesus on the cross. It was an Old Testament story So I get a lot of questions from people that say, hey, Hunter, what happened? What about all the people before Matthew? Like, what about those people that didn't know the cross, but we have taken the last year and a half constantly pulling from the Old Testament. Man, we've referenced Isaiah a hundred million times. You've seen the promise of the Messiah in the Old Testament. David knew the price tag on his life, and brother, it was steep. We've seen all through the Old Testament of the promised Messiah who is coming and Jesus did not only die for the people that walked with him or you and I today, he came from the people that came before him. David knew what he cost and he said, Lord, help me not 
forget it. I told Kira and Landon, two young people that are getting baptized, one today and one a few weeks from now, I said, listen, I am so happy and so overjoyed and so excited, but I am not proud of you. There is no moment where I'm going to put my arm around this sweet little girl and go, man, you have really crushed it now. You've done it. Thank God you are so wise. No, there is no, I am so proud of you. Even though I understand the dialogue, it is not I'm proud of her. It is I'm thankful for him. Thankful that Jesus chose to pray our price. And David said, man, for me to stay in the moment I want to stay in, help me not forget it. David cries out, keep me thankful. Instead of death, you gave me life. Instead of abandonment, you gave me family. Instead of punishment, hang on the verses. Instead of punishment, you gave me a crown of loving kindness and tender mercies, which honestly make no worldly sense. You satisfy my mouth with good things. Help me not to forget it. Restore me to the joy of the one thing you think that would be impossible to forget, my salvation. Because when I understand your benefits, when I understand who you are, when I rest in your glory, it brings me closer to you, and then my life follows that. You feel me? We just talked about this. We had this moment where David goes, hey, listen, like if my mind wonders, so is my lifestyle. But on the flip side of that, he goes, man, when my mind is on the joy of my salvation and the goodness of who God is and how sick I was, what I cost, what I've been forgiven for, my life follows that too. He's not just speaking into the wind, man. He gets the formula. He goes, help me not forget your benefits. Now, as we close, I want you to see how it all wraps. I want you to see it, church. Look at verse 2, and we're going to go right to verse 5. David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists all of the benefits. And then he says at the end of 5, he says, So that. Lord, help me not forget who you are. This is who you are, and this is who you are, and this is who you are, so that. So that my youth is renewed like the youth of an eagle. Now, I don't know if you know much about eagles. This was just recent research. This is not something I pulled from my back pocket. The eagle is literally seen as the lion of the air, the shark of the sea, like an eagle is fierce. And an eagle is strong and an eagle is fast. It is the largest and fastest predator that all animals of the air are scared of. But the eagle goes through this time period a few years into its life where it becomes very sickly and weak. Four or five years in, in an eagle's life, he starts to lose all of its feathers. And I started Googling this and researching it because I, I wanted to know what this was talking about. And all these pictures came up of all these eagles that literally looked like they were dying or just hanging on for dear life. 
He says, at this time, to, to make sure that the eagle survives, it will build a nest, it will go up to the nest, it will rest there. In what it knows that can save them and help them, they will lose all of their feathers. And if they spend enough time resting in what they see as safety, they will grow back all feathers that are fresh and new and looks like they are at the peak of their strength. David said, if I can find in my weakness and my brokenness, if I can rest in who you are, I come out of that looking as strong and peaceful and close in the great life that I ever started. Keep me like this. As we close, a few years back, a man emails me, I don't know this man's name and this was only a one-time conversation. He emails me. I think he was from a different country or state. He emails me this long email, and he starts off, and this is where I knew he was in trouble. He goes, Hunter, I love listening to you. And I was like, this is going to end. This is gonna, the next sentence is going to be a but or a however. And I said, okay, what's the next one? He says, however, he goes, it seems like every time I listen to you, Every message, at least 10 minutes of it, literally sounds the exact same. He goes, man, I love it. I've listened to seven sermons today. He says, however, for like 10 minutes at the end or middle of the beginning, everything goes back to grace and everything goes back to mercy and everything goes back to the cross and everything goes back to Jesus. And I remember, don't get me wrong, I know what that's about, but you need to expand comma, I need help. I put that in a special folder I call junk mail. He says, however, I need help. Here's the problem. This man wanted his life to be better, to better understand the gospel, where David says, give me the gospel to better my life. Right? Like, man, my, my marriage is in shackles, man. I, I need help. My kids are all over the place. I need help. My mind, my, my health, like, I need you to pour into me. And when I get my life right, I'll better understand this. And David says, man, I've experienced it a lot more than you. I am all over the place. I need the heart of the gospel, and that will pour into great living. We need Jesus and then we need to be reminded weekly that we have been forgiven, that we have been redeemed, that we have have a cost that God has paid. We need to be reminded of these things. Lord, restore my mind, my ears, my heart, my soul, my life to the joy of your salvation. Because even that I will forget. Even that I will drift from. I pray today, guys, wherever you are, if you know Jesus and you love Jesus and you are in a moment where you have tasted great life, but you have settled for less life, I pray that you see the goodness of who the Lord is today and that brings you closer to Him and your life is running right behind it. If you do not know the Lord today and everything that I just shared with you, this is the gospel. 
the good news of who Jesus Christ is. That He died for you, that He paid your price, that He has forgiven you, that He has restored you, that He heals you, that He crowns you. This is the gospel. Will you believe this? Will you love this? Will you submit to this? Will you pray, God, take my life? What I love about rooms like this is we close 250 people, and the reality is, do not be naive. We're not batting a 1,000. Some of you have been in the church for a long time, and you do not know Jesus Christ. You've been taken to church on Easter and you have sang songs that you like and you've given money to the church and you maybe helped at VBS in the past, but you do not know Jesus like David wants Jesus. And if that is you, God save my life. Save my life. If you are saved and you are born again, but you have drifted, God, help me remember your benefits. Help me remember who you are, what you've done, and how you love me. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this moment, the church that you've given us, this stage that I speak on, the music that pours into us, the scripture that is read, the prayer that is prayed. I thank you for this. Lord, help us not take this for granted. We bicker and we, we fuss and we're preoccupied. Lord, help us not be so ignorant. Help us not be so petty. Help us not be so blinded to how great this opportunity is. People worldwide are losing their lives what we just did so freely. Lord, we hold Bibles and we sing your word and your praise and we hug our brothers and our sisters. We baptize believers. There are people that would give their life to be a part of this. Help us remember this benefit. Lord, for any of us that do not know you, and this was not the Jesus they knew, Lord, I pray that the words that I just read and spoke on infiltrates their soul. I hope they have a hard time even standing up because they know where they are without the love of Christ. Lord, I pray that you save them now. I pray that we don't even drain the water. That we have a line going to the front door. That's what I pray. Wash away all of our pride and all of our nervousness and all of our fear and let those who are lost flood this altar. That's what I pray. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your redemption. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for all that you have done in my life and the people who call you Father in this church. Thank you for all that you have done. In your precious name, the church says loudly and in harmony. Amen.